As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You'll be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how are we doing? Well, Jordan, the NFL offseason is officially here. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know Great about game. you. I Great was on game. the edge of my seat all the way till the end. I mean, we talked a couple of weeks ago about you know, how you watch games when you're not covering them. And that was one where I, I did not have that game on as background noise. I was locked in 100% watching everything that was going on there. And uh, I know everybody in the world has a hot take on what happened. We're not going to get into that. But uh, certainly one of the more interesting games that that I've seen in recent memory, uh, compelling, well-played, um, all of those things pretty much checked every box. Uh, so sure the NFL was thrilled. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a hold. James Bradbury admitted it. I thought the Chief, or excuse me, I think the Eagles have like were really classy about it in their yeah. response post game. And at that point, your playoff bonuses are so big that you stop caring about the fines you get for criticizing the refs. So you can let it fly if you want to at that point. But um, normally players are fine for criticizing the refs. But I thought that was really classy the way they handled it. My issue and I think we're on the same page with this, Rich, is yes, it was a hold, but also um, it not a single hold had been called at any other point in the game. And so my issue is if you're going to call something or not call something, keep it consistent through the yeah. entire game. Because yeah. at the same time, you know, at the end of that, it, it turns into a game altering uh, call when there hadn't been any such calls when there are always holds in games right. there hadn't been any such calls calls previous to that and to me um you know there's a lot of i think arguments about whether you know the ball was going to be catchable those types of things in the first place so that's all fair i i just think that i don't believe one single word of Roger Goodell's phrasing that the officiating has never been better this year i'm like well <laughs> Yeah. It's a low bar, first of all, but yeah. but second of all, my God. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, there's a lot of conversation about this in the offseason heading into the combine in the next couple of weeks. A bunch of committees will meet and in March at league meetings, I'll be there. Um, a bunch of committees will meet and discuss sort of 
the arc of the league and different roles and proposals and those types of things. Officiating is sure to be one major topic as well as playing surfaces. Yes, Rich. I thought of you. I thought of you during the game when guys. Oh, were, it hurt uh, my soul watching that. Looking at that out field. there. Yeah. And and the thing is, is like the the piece. I'm sure a lot of you guys have checked it out at the Athletic. Um, it's pinned to the top of my Twitter page. I would advise you going to read it if you haven't. Um, but it. It's it can happen on grass too. There are there's the problem is there's no standard safety protocols for a universally agreed upon best surface, and that surface whether it's grass or turf, there you can do kind of whatever the hell you want for your surface depending on what you want to spend. And it sounded like you know an additional reporting came out about the blend of the grass that was used, and it hadn't really been played on. It was brand new. Um, and so obviously there's no stress testing involved there. And then it was, um, you know, it, it was like built to be more aesthetically pleasing than, and, and so then there's questions about, there's questions about the type of paint that was used. Um, I, yes, it is very dry in the desert, but as a Phoenix resident, former longtime born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, I can tell you right. that the dew point does change from day to night. That's quite literally how plants in the desert get their water and store it. Uh, hello, cacti enthusiasts. And <laughs> so it's, you know, it, it can change even subtle changes like that when combined with a bunch of other factors, um, such as stress and also the, the massive amounts of paint that were on that field um, and mm. new paint at that. I think right. that that's those are all things to look into. It's certainly something um, I'm fascinated by, but it was unacceptable. Um, it, it's it's interesting. You know, there's not, you don't want to like make excuses for any one team. It was a great game. It was fantastic. I mean, both teams played so well. Um, the chief, the adjustments the Chiefs made at the half were incredible, but it is interesting when you have a game that's that close, every margin matters. And I would say the field was a significant variable in that game where it was going to come down to one or two things either way being um being the difference yeah no no doubt about it it's um you know it's not something that you it certainly wasn't a holding call where everybody went oh my goodness but you saw the way the guys were just sliding and uh, pulling up turf there and and it just oof. i mean you're right jordan i thought the same thing it's like it, you can just as easily hurt your knee or, or your ankle or whatever it may be um on a surface like that as you can on a on a artificial turf surface so well uh, I, I will counter that just slightly just a tiny bit because grass grass doesn't catch it gives, so yeah. so let's say that that's turf you won't slide that much on turf frankly like unless the right. turf is wet which we don't know what the condition was of this field but the turf will catch your cleat so it, right. you no won't give. slide yeah. clean it won't divot you won't see the divots which make for an ugly field but there's right. no you know you think about every time i watch those slides i actually thought wow this field is terrible and then also i thought wow thank god this field is it the same condition on turf True. because you'd have like 50 busted ACLs at that point because right. every right. your cleats get caught in the surface um, instead of releasing as grass releases the cleat. And, yeah, form, and forms the divots. That's true. That's a, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. It's, it's a, a different. Um, it's all bad. It's, it's all. That's a, <laughs> in summation. Yeah. In summation. In summation yeah. It's all bad. 
Well, Jordan, it's 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 over, and we did finally get to the answers to the questions that we were asking last week, which was primarily what the heck are the Indianapolis Colts doing, and when are they <laughs> going to do something? Uh, they did. They made a move, um, and bo- uh, the last two coaching vacancies got filled, both from the staff of the Philadelphia Eagles with uh, Shane Steichen and uh, Jonathan Gannon going to their uh, respective new teams, which means uh, that the Rams now presumably yeah we never I, I always hesitate to say anything declaratively uh when when these things happen but uh, the presumption is at least is that Raheem Morris will be back as the defensive coordinator and now that opens the possibility um to start having those dominoes fall that we talked about and maybe bringing in some other folks to uh to fill those positions so Jordan if you want to just give us a little rundown maybe of of what that means first of all I want to ask you a question um were, were you surprised uh we, we know Raheem Raheem Morris's name was was going to be involved in a lot of these, and obviously he was considered a, a serious candidate. Um, surprised at all that that he didn't get a job this this round? How much of that was tied to just the fact that the Rams had a terrible year? Um, and now that he is back, what do you think will happen with the rest of that staff? What do you see any dominoes falling here in in the near future? Yeah, I was more surprised last year when they won the Super Bowl and pitched these crazy defensive games and, you know, were just like hair on fire through the second half, uh, especially the last part of the season and through the playoffs and were so variable and, and multiple with what they did. I was more surprised and then they won the Super Bowl. I was more surprised and and probably surprised is the wrong word, but um, frustrated, I think, to see that still he was barely getting interviews, let alone head coaching jobs. And this time around, I guess because we didn't really know what the Colts were kind of a wild card anyway. So I, I don't know if surprise is the right word either. I did hear that he was, you know, significantly considered and somebody who, you know, a lot of people in that on that staff and that front office really liked and truly considered to be a finalist for this job. And that's part of what made it so complicated was because, you know, the Rams didn't really know what was going to happen. And there also was a sense that if he left um, for a head coaching job, a lot of people would go with him um, from all phases of the building, not just, you know, a couple of coaches. And, you know, they'd, they'd probably try to block some people, but other people like in certain support staff roles, like you really can't block them. So it's that part of it. So super interesting to me. We'll never know what would have been, um, what could have been. We only know what, um, you know, what I've heard and and that type of thing. And so I think that's, that's a fascinating element to it because it's sort of a best case scenario because the process lasted so long. Um, obviously it's frustrating to see Raheem, you know, not get that opportunity for a head coaching job. And if the Rams, um, as they hope to do improve on defense next year and actually produce the numbers that they are accustomed to doing, um, I think that you start, you know, you still see him get opportunities in that regard. Um, But I also think that it's pretty clear that the Colts are going to go all in looking for quarterback and figuring out their next person at quarterback for the long term Um, and offensive staff, um, Shane Steichen and Brian Johnson over in Philly did such a heck of a job developing Jalen Hurts um, and he's become a franchise quarterback. You know, I think he always had the personality traits for that, but in terms of the mechanics and the consistency, I mean, it's just been remarkable to see the improvement. And so I think the Colts look at that and they they say, okay, take whatever you did there and just like bring it over here <laughs> because they've struggled so much. I also don't think 
I'd like to dig into this a little bit. This is weird, but like he kind of looks like gaunt Andrew Luck to me. Like, don't you think that? Wow, I had not thought of that. I can't yeah. not see it, right? Like he's just like hollow cheeked Andrew Luck, right? Like I and it's not that's not an insult at all. It's just to me, it's like, oh, like I, I don't know. I'd be really curious to dig into some of the psych- psychology of this, frankly. It's like, it's good. I, I don't, I'm not saying that's a factor. I'm just saying it's like, it's a little, it's a little uncanny in my mind. So you guys go look, go look at pictures and you'll, you'll see what I mean. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I, so I guess, you know, the hi- that hire makes sense. Raheem Morris would also have made sense, but I get why they would go in the, in the direction. But I think for the Rams, like there was not, especially after a certain point as other people got hired, there was not really a sense of a real and like option a backup plan available because Jero Evero was their option a backup plan. And, uh, and, and, you know, he got a really well-deserved job in, in a well-paid job in Carolina. And you're starting to see the effects of that staff coming together. And then, you know, they weren't going to consider like a wholesale scheme change unless they were also considering blowing up their entire roster on defense, which even if they're in a quote unquote rebuild or remodel or retool, this is not a team that's, that's necessarily want to tear everything down and start from total scratch. Like they do these things where they, they retool at a sprint. You saw this from 2019 to 2020. So it would have kind of gone outside their model to, go after a Steve Wilkes or a Brian Flores, even though those two are great coaches and they'll be awesome where they're at. But in the case of Minnesota, I think Minnesota just thought, Hey, we just, we need this guy in our building. We need to figure it out on defense. Maybe they're shifting away from what they had done previously. And so I think that um, the Rams are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. So this is, this is really a, um, I hate to say best case scenario because it's it stinks for Raheem that he didn't get the, the job, right. but in terms of where the team is at, Totally. It's like, to me, um, sort of a best case scenario in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, Sean, you know, Sean McVay is happy about it, too. Yeah, no, you certainly didn't want to have to deal with that. All, all that again. It's um, like his best friend, too. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> so good. Good for and And, you know, Raheem, I, I, I can't imagine his name's going to fall out of these conversations, uh, you know, over the next year or so. Certainly a deserving candidate. Um but Jordan, what what about these dominoes now? Do, are you, should we expect to see some of them fall relatively quickly? Yeah, I think so. Like, for example, back in January, like by the time you guys hear this podcast, there may already be news. <laughs> That's just the nature of the way things are going. Contracts are, you know, being presented to people and then signed and coaches are in the building and then things officialize and coaches are in the building this week. Um, they're still waiting on a couple of things. Obviously, I'll get to that in a minute. But, um, you know, you're, you've seen people like in January, I connected the Rams to the name Jimmy Lake and uh, the name Aubrey Pleasant, who, you know, I can't hint more strongly than that. Right. And so I think that, you know, you're going to start to see the dominoes fall in that regard now that they have the understanding and the, and the recognition that um, they can keep what they have on a staff on defense other than the coaches they let go. Um, in place with uh, under Raheem Morris. And so you're going to start to see and hear more of those things um, other than, again, the extremely strong hints <laughs> since January. <laughs> but I still get tweets. I see them. <laughs> and, and it's funny. It's so, um, so you're going to start to see those fall. And then other coaches getting hired elsewhere or potentially getting hired elsewhere um, 
does other coaches are filling out their staffs in other places, which significantly does affect some of the ways that um, the Rams can run some of their operations. So for example, Thomas Brown, um, today's Wednesday morning that we're recording this, Thomas Brown's interviewing for the Tampa Bay OC job. And then tomorrow, Thursday, he's interviewing for the Carolina Panthers OC job. And um, to like what I've heard is that he is extremely well thought of in both of those buildings and a really strong candidate for both either of those jobs. And it almost sounds like he might have the opportunity to sort of take his pick, which one he wants. Um, you know, we don't know until we know, but Um, I do think that he is an extremely um, sought after candidate in that regard. And so, you know, we'll see by the end of the week how that shakes out, what happens. And then, you know, Sean McVay's got to fill that staff in in other ways. And so the, the life cycle of the hiring process still is stretching on, I think, much further. um, Well, it feels like much further. I don't think it really is, but it feels like it because the Rams weren't in the Super Bowl or in the playoffs this year. So there was this gap of time. So, it feels different, but th- that gap of time, it's not like they're not working on contingency plans. It's just that everybody else is in the, you know, a lot of other teams are in the playoffs and they're focused on that and they're not doing coaching stuff. And then their time frames haven't opened to get their staffs in place. And then Carolina, you know, had hi- made the hire. And then Frank Reich started, you know, taking the time to fill out his staff and was, was waiting, sounds like waiting on Philadelphia to see what happened there. Um, with Brian Johnson. And so it, it's it's just interesting, the timeline, what I think it's a great practice and exercise and patience for some in that building of like, not everyone is on your timeline. You didn't make the playoffs. So not everyone is on your timeline. If you want them to be, make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a very wise words there. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't want to go through this, uh, you don't have to, you just have to make the playoffs. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. Jordan, the, the one thing that we did learn um, in, in this kind of, you know, these things happen so fast, it almost feels like old news now. But to me, significant news that the Rams did hire Ryan Wendell as their offensive line coach. And and get 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 the chart here ready. Uh, uh, Ryan Wendell comes from the Buffalo staff where he worked under Aaron Cromer, the Rams' yes. former offensive uh, line coach. And now, Jordan, you reported a few days ago that the Rams are also going to promote Zach Cromer, who is... Aaron's son, the son of the former offensive line coach, to be the assistant to Ryan Wendell. So I uh, hope everything makes sense there. Um, but uh, Jordan, the the hire, um, what, what did you think? I mean, I know there was kind of some question of how they would go with that hire. Would they go with somebody um, a little bit uh, with more experience in that role? Uh, Ryan Wendell obviously had a playing career, very, seemed to be very well regarded mm-hmm. in his current or in his former role, I guess now. Um, but uh, the, the path that they chose on that, that's always something that's interesting to me. Uh, what, from your perspective, what did the Rams know about this guy, uh, Ryan Wendell? And, and you know, what, what do you think uh, sent them to? down that path with him. Yeah, he's very he's got a pretty impressive resume as a player, um played in the league for almost a decade and I think that's part of, and also but it's where he played too. He played in New England obviously under Bill Belichick. Sean McVay is um such an admirer of of Bill Belichick as we know. And um so I think a co- a coach who was a player in that position I at a high, at such a high level, I think that Ads like we said, there there were some communication issues, and I've said this, and so um, now you kind of remove that layer. You you're you've got someone who knows directly how to communicate with players on their level because they were they did play the position at such a high level. So I think that's part of what they were looking at um, with Ryan Wendell, and then also being a, a pupil under Aaron Cromer. I mean, um, you know, it, it's it's pretty easy to connect the dots in terms of the resume here of why they went after him. And and I would say too, um, I don't know if I'll at any point be able to report this down the line or if this will be made official or formally announced by the team, but there also have been some kind of creative options they've talked about in terms of various um, veteran coaches who might be open to consulting um with the, the with the role since it will be two young coaches um handling right. this offensive line in a really pivotal crucial time for this offensive line to get its feet back under itself and a lot of big personnel decisions to make so I, i'm not sure you know i'm not sure when that is you know gets uh maybe formalized or not it's like i said it's fluid so Twitter doesn't pay me, so I'm not <laughs> I'm hesitant to, you know, just put stuff out there or respond to some things that I see. But trust me, like there are some things that there are some creative options also being discussed as it pertains to how the offensive line is coached and what that looks like um, from a on the field role um, to the coaches who are there every day and coordinating the offensive line and all of the protection. And then also um, from the sort of consulting standpoint, and they basically want this to just be um, fixed <laughs> and better. And so that's interesting. And I think the the Cromer connection uh, is not um, unnotable with, you know, with Ryan Wendell. Um, it's interesting. It's really funny. I got a tweet. I was just looking it up, Rich. Um, our friend Ken V at K-V-I-R-Z-I had what I think was the comment of the week when um, I broke the the Zach Cromer news. He said, it's a Wendell sandwich on Cromer bread. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> 
and our and our buddy Wags also said, um, "Tell me, tell me they miss Aaron Cromer without actually telling me they miss mm. Aaron Cromer." So I think you know it's people get it. I think people understand kind of what's happening here. I do have one funny, crazy thing. Now it's going to make me feel extremely old. I covered Ryan Wendell as a player. The last year of his career. Oh no! I know the last <laughs> year of his career. He was in Carolina. Um, and he was like, uh, de- you know, kind of depth. He's a veteran addition. Um, wasn't there long, I think November or something. Um, I do, I do not, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you whether we ever met or not, frankly, like right, I was, right. uh, let's see, I was 24, uh, in a lock in a locker room. That was the, my first year, like full year in a locker room. Um, when you're a young reporter, you definitely leave the offensive lineman alone. <laughs> like, you, you know, like yeah. I got, Ryan Khalil, like would hold court over there. And that was his space. And you do not mess around in that space or like go up to be like Ryan Khalil was the guy. He was the man. He's awesome. Um, movie producer now, actually pretty cool. Yeah. You guys um, should check out his stuff. But yeah, it's um, it's it was wild. I was uh, texting with Ryan the other day. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I feel old. He's like, how do you think I feel <laughs> like? So I think this is the first time a player that I covered or quote unquote, I mean, I guess I didn't, I never really, really wrote anything about him. So, but like a player I covered is now a coach on a staff that I, that I currently cover. I know you probably, wait. you have so much ahead of you. Oh, my sweet summer child. Just (laughs) wait, just wait until you see a name on a roster (laughs) and you go. I know that name. And then you look and it's the kid of somebody oh, who no. you covered. That is the the worst feeling oh, no. of uh or you know, you get to the end like you know, Dustin Brown just retired from the LA Kings and I'm like, You're how old? Like that no, that that's not possible. I covered <laughs> you when you when you like something's wrong here, because if you're that old, that means that I'm oh no, oh no, that's bad. Um so yeah, it's um uh, yeah, it's 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 um, it's a big hire to me, Jordan. And yeah, I know it's we've an talked important about one that. too. Yeah, yeah, and so to to hear, very interested to hear your your uh, your add in there about uh, possibly bringing in a consultant. Um, not saying that needs to happen. It's uh, I'm not saying it's an indictment against anybody. I just I I think it's a smart thing for them to do to uh, look at all their options there. And if that if that room can be enhanced, if that group can be enhanced. Uh, by by somebody like that, then they absolutely uh, should should look at it. Yeah. And I think some of the importance there is there's so many guys coming off of significant injuries. You know, there are really, I think, promising young players on that roster who they want to keep developing and, and moving forward and Tremaine Ingram and Alaric Jackson and um, you know, uh uh Chandler Brewer and like people who and Logan Bruss, like people who they've invested in and, but at the same time are still, you know, I I would say other than maybe Alaric is like they're unknowns because, so you really need someone to offer that perspective of like, you know, here are some of the tells that I've seen. And, And so I think that Ryan Wendell being a veteran who had the experience of being a veteran player and, and sort of a player coach too, when he was playing, um, and then also now ha- get having the coach experiences is, is very, very solid in my opinion. And we won't know until we see, but a uh, solid in my opinion, but at the same time, like having a, uh, you know, more experienced consultation, I think also would be helpful in this case. And it's certainly why they've 
at least been exploring this option. Again, it's a fluid situation, so we're going right. to have to wait and see on it, but um, definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, we don't, we don't need to see the tweets that uh, Jordan Rodriguez is reporting that the Rams are going to hire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, don't, no. we don't need that to happen, so no, please, yeah. please don't. Fluid. Um, and, and also, also like, yeah. yeah, and and I, like, it's not that, I know that this feels like, again, a larger expanse of time than usual, that things aren't necessarily all out on the table, but um, you know, there are reasons for that. And again, um, it feels like that because the Rams weren't in the playoffs. So, um, just right. bear, bear with us, bear with me, um, be patient. It, they say it's a virtue. It's very hard to do this time of year, but, um, yeah, everything is coming together. And, um, from just people that I've talked to in the building, um, who are in a position to, have the knowledge about this. Um, it sounds like the staff overall is uh, pretty strong so far. There's good good impressions so far of overall um, some of the people that we know, and we know some of them. We, you know, I reported the tight ends coach, and I reported the the O line coach, and then um, hinting very strongly at some other coaches. <laughs> and um, you know, I think you just uh, you just gotta wait and see. But but I do think that um, there's some so far some some pretty significant optimism coming out of the building right now. Yeah, so so let let's look ahead a little bit because as we say the the wheel never stops spinning and uh, as hard as this is to believe in two weeks uh, the the NFL world will descend upon Indianapolis for the combine. My God, uh, it, it's just uh, it, so you know where where are the Rams on this um, Jordan? I remember you know the the last trip that I took before the pandemic was to the combine and uh happened to be on the flight with Les and Sean and uh they packed very lightly. That's Let's where we met, that Rich. That's where we met in in <laughs> uh in Indianapolis, a very chilly um uh weekend in Indianapolis. But um the Rams have a, a, a certain way that they've approached the combine um in in recent years. And I don't say that with any judgment at all. It's just that they have a, a way that they like to do things and the way that they value their time, whether it's there or here or anywhere. Um, so how are they likely to approach this one, um, Jordan, when when everybody meets up uh, in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I don't think I'll I don't think I would expect many changes. Um, you know, I would be surprised if Les and Sean were there in person. Um, this is one of those things where even before the pandemic, they were moving toward them not going and and you know, some of the top brass, they they get all of the information they need from all of these prospects from, from the combine. Like they provide the teams with all the data they need and the interview process with players, like they do, they, it's not like the players are walking into empty rooms and there's no Rams personnel there. There are Rams personnel there. Like assistant coaches filter out through the week, scouts filter out in and out through the week. The medical staff is there the entire week. And that is like, I want to reiterate the most important part of the NFL combine is getting the official formal medicals on all the players. And so the Rams training staff does that and they're there the entire week. And, um, you know, you'll see some executives go in and out because there's things like the big data bowl presentations are there and some of the forums and some, you know, quiet committee meetings. And then that's where a lot of, you know, agents descend upon Indianapolis and have some free agency conversations. So you will, there are, they will go, like there are people that will go. The Rams don't like boycott the combine. I think when I wrote about all those things about their change in processes, it kind of got a little bit out of control to the point where like scout, I would talk to scouts and they would say, yeah, um, you know, I had a re ex reporter text me um, and being like, 
um, you know, will I see you at this, uh, at the, at the, this all-star event, or is this another one you guys don't show up to like kind of snarky stuff. And I'm like, well, that's never what was being reported. They just changed their workflow to where the people who feel like they work the best to going and being in person. And if it's relevant and required for them to be there, they go, if they don't, they don't. And they get all of the same information either way. And they get all of the same time. And what I think people forget is these scouts are on the road all year getting li- literal FaceTime with prospects, with players while they're in college, um, with them as they go do some of their private workouts, with them as they do, you know, with all of the coaches, with all of their family, with their, you know, it's like, it's very under the radar, but it's like very, very significant um, throughout the entire rest of the year. So by the time you get to the combine, what you really need is the medical clearance and some of the players. And they don't really see a ton of value in the car wash of interviews because it's not a real situation. You're never going to be a re- a player in a situation where you have to rattle off 32 five minute interviews in a row. Um, they more so want to get to know the players like authentically and holistically. And so that's what they spend their time doing as opposed to um, just showing up for the sake of showing up somewhere that's not efficient work for them. But they do have people that are there all week. And also, you know, they do a lot of, you know, wheeling and dealing conversationally <laughs> during that week, that last um, time, Last year, Les and Sean were not at the combine, but I ran into a bunch of assistant coaches who were there throughout the entire week, um, in and out. I ran into scouts. I ran into the medical staff. Um, and then also, you know, that was where I got some really valuable Intel on what Matthew Stafford's contract structure was going to look like. So this is something where things happen. Um, it's just that the Rams have changed their process to be a little bit more efficient for what works for them. That being said, um, they're always reevaluating that process. And I would assume they are deeply reevaluating um, some of the ways that they're looking for depth and some of the things that they need to do, because this is a really important draft for them. They absolutely have to nail this draft. They have to nail every draft. But, you know, you you look at like a 33 percent hit rate as being successful. And this one, I would say, has some significance because not only is it the starting point, essentially, for the depth that they will build into 2026, but also it is the um, they, they've they've needed to overhaul some of their depth at other positions as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I know we're going to talk a lot more about that as we get closer to April, but I, I agree that it's a big, uh, big draft for them. Jordan, do you have a favorite uh, lurking spot? Um, oh at, yeah, at I've got a few. So one yeah. of my favorite lurking spots is there's a Starbucks outside of the JW Marriott, yes. as you know, and yes. it's where like every, our, our great colleague, Bo Wolf did this amazing piece, um, from there just talking like filter who everyone who filters in and out. I hope he does it again this year. Everyone like you can't, there's no, everything's in a big series of tunnels at the combine. So um, you almost have to pass that Starbucks or you have to go to that Starbucks if you at all want good coffee or yeah, Starbucks is not really good coffee. But if you want, <laughs> if you want passable, like non sitting in a canteen for overnight coffee right. that the rest of the event provides, like if you want, you know, your little latte or whatever, like you, you go to that Starbucks. And so you meet, you see all kinds of people, you meet all kinds of people there just like standing in line. Um, and, uh, it's, it gets, it's a pretty significant and the line itself, you know, stretches depending on the time you go. Um, and there's all these little meetings that pop up on the tables around there. So daytime, that's the best lurking spot. And then also right outside in that main hallway, cause everybody 
walks past and they're these, these, you, what the, the, the key is, is you got to snag a chair because you're on your feet all day and you're running around everywhere. And the key is you got to snag one of these little chairs that's outside in that hallway so that you can kind of just like take, you know, work on your stuff and, and take a load off. And then when you see a coach or a, a personnel person walking past that you need to talk to, that's when you can, Hey, Hey, Oh my gosh. And then like, hopefully you have something to supersede save. That's like the strategy. And then at <laughs> night, obviously uh, there are a variety of great um, lurking spots all in the the downtown area that are uh, frequented by people at the combine. <laughs> yeah. There's a few restaurants that I think base their entire year on, uh, on who's going to come to the combine and who's going to get their tables. So um, it really is fascinating. Hey, I had forgotten about that story about the Starbucks, but it, it truly so is. Good. It's like Probably my inter- favorite thing that I yeah. read last year. Yeah. It was so it, good. It's the intersection of the NFL world right there is every, but literally anybody who is anybody is going to walk by that Starbucks at some point. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty funny. So um, good time. And the other thing is it's, usually like 20 to 30 degrees outside so you're not going to want to walk down the street to go to get coffee you're going to go to that starbucks that was that was my experience anyway yeah, and it's, that's somebody exactly right who yeah. didn't want to go out in the in the freezing cold um so uh jordan i know you're going to get a ton of great insight uh from, from being there too so really excited about that and um i am excited because i know what you have coming um i uh, in, in, in neither want to nor am in position to uh, spill any dirt uh, about what it is, but uh, I know, and I mean this sincerely, you have spent a really long time working on this story that I think Rams fans are going to certainly appreciate, but that NFL fans are are really going to appreciate. So, what what do you want to tell us uh, about uh, about what movie should expect um, um, next week from your from your story? Yeah. Keep an eye out. The draft is in. So we'll see. I'm kind of just like in uh, uh pace and panic mode at this point and, you know, tying up a couple more loose ends and, and all of that. But yeah, a story that I've been reporting for the last six months, six-ish months um, is coming out next week at The Athletic. Um, as far as I know now, it'll be uh, one of our front page stories. So definitely make sure to keep an eye out for that. Um, it's, it's complicated, you know, it is what I will say about it is it is, um, it is definitely a complicated story. It's going to be one where I would hope that people read it a couple of times, um, to really let some of the nuance of it sink in. Um, there's some newsworthy items in it as well. Um, and what I'm hoping is that, um, people enjoy it and people, um, learn something and maybe are impacted in any number of ways um, by some of the um, conversations that took place in it. So um, that's my hope. Uh, It could completely crash and burn. We don't know. This is what this is last year at this time. I was like, I felt this way about the Jalen Ramsey's feature um, because it was such a project of such magnitude that I was like deeply, uh, uh, antagonistic in my own mind about like what it was and how it would turn out. And, um, I'm always very critical of myself and my own work. And so, um, I hope you guys like it. I've, uh, worked very, very hard on it, carried a lot of heaviness, um, in my brain over it, um, for the last couple of months. And it feel, it felt really good to turn the draft in because (laughs) it was quite literally expelling things out, uh, that have been, (laughs) 
there. And uh, I think, you know, everybody's been affected in some way by this season. And I am, I won't ever pretend to be even like among the most relevant on that list, but everybody, I would say everybody's has, everybody was affected by this season. And so it felt really good to get that draft turned in. Yes. I was going to say, Jordan, going through that uh, existential crisis that every reporter goes through when they file their story, it's it's at the same time the greatest relief and also the greatest terror. Yeah, uh, dread. When, True yeah. dread. <laughs> so, but I, I can tell you, you have nothing to fear um, and uh, that uh, everybody will see the fruit of, of what Jordan does every day. And I, I don't think that can be understated either. This is not something that you just start on and do for two weeks and then you finish the story. This is this is the fruit of day after day after day for week after week for month after month, uh, putting in that work, getting to know people, getting them to trust you, uh, getting them to talk to you, uh, getting them to tell you things that they don't necessarily tell other people. Uh, that doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen just from sitting in press conferences. Um, so um, kudos to you, Jordan. And um, we'll talk about it. Uh, again, after it comes out, I, I, I'm itching to ask you so many questions. I know, I know. So um, here's the, th- here's the yeah. thing, a little inside baseball, guys, too. So Rich, as you guys know, Rich was my editor when I first jumped on the LA beat, and he did such a tremendous job covering the Rams himself. And like, you guys have heard my stories about how Rich sent me a Google Doc, like my first week of all of the things that he thought maybe I needed to know. But it included things that Rich is so good at, which is people like, oh, and then here's something about this person that's relevant that other people may not think is here's a detail about their personality that you may need to know when you approach them for the first time, like stuff like that. And it was so wild. Like it was such a springboard for me and getting into it. And so then when um, Rich was moved over to hockey being like the decades long expert in that subject um, and that he is centuries. Yeah. He was (laughs) not to make you sound a certain age, but like really huge amount of experience there. So he's moved over there. So he's not my editor anymore. Um, We are so grateful and fortunate that we still do this podcast and we love doing it. But when I feel very nervous about something and I know that Rich has just been just like in place in and watching how people are and how people change and grow and don't grow and how this organization has been shaped over the last several years, like Rich he still, his, his insight is so valuable. So I still send him, it's like the roughest cut, the roughest cut that exists. And I still send it to him so that he can read it (laughs) because I'm, I'm like, so at a certain point, I've been so entombed in my own brain on it that I'm just like, you look at this, (laughs) you take it. And so, and so that's kind of what we've been doing over the last week. And um, it's over to my, to my actual editors um, now. And so, Yeah, it's just, um, you know, some people might not be so interested in that behind the scenes, but we we really like you guys and we like being transparent with where we're at and how we do this job. Um, It's a job that like, you know, it's we're so fortunate to do. And I know I feel that way and I know Rich feels that way, but it also is is pretty grimy in some parts and uh, not not glorious in some parts. And so we like to share those parts with you just as much as we like to say, hey, um, you know, stood in line at the Starbucks behind Quasi and Dofo Mensa. Like <laughs> <laughs> they had, you know, they, <laughs> you know, this, 
those it's like you know it's a little bit of a roller coaster here <laughs> right, right can you believe he gets extra foam i can't i can't <laughs> believe it i know that's um, maybe my story that i should do this year is i should stay at the starbucks and i should psychologically analyze everybody's order maybe i should do that <laughs> that would be great that would be just great so, before you order just so you know you're on the record <laughs> yes exactly this is public <laughs> this is, yeah, this is a public is... <laughs> declaration yeah <laughs> Uh, Jordan, can't wait for that. Excited uh, to to talk to you uh, and, and find out what's going on at the Combine. A lot of stuff still going on. I know you're already working on draft stuff, uh, you know, roster breakdowns. Uh, look, I, I know this is starting to sound like a long commercial. That wasn't my intention. But um, just because it's the offseason doesn't mean that uh, the content is going to dry up. If anything, it gets even more compelling um, at times. So uh, thank you again. As Jordan said, I echo everything uh, about being grateful uh, for our subscribers, for our listeners here. Thank you so much um, for, for being on board. And if you're not on board, hey, I just gave you a great reason, right? I mean, you can join up right now. That story will land right in your uh, right on your your app or your, however you access the athletic uh, push push notification, whatever. You'll find it. And uh, if you want to do that right now, you get the whole year's worth of coverage. We'll have you covered through the next Super Bowl. Couldn't ask for anything more. Hey, hey the, what timing? <laughs> go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel right now. Right now, kids, we're done with this episode and get Jordan's favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. You guys, once again, they're letting us just do this. I don't know. Nobody stopped us yet. But my favorite thing in the world, a great discount, which you get if you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast every single time you get this discount. Guys, it's going to be, I mean, buckle in, my friends. <laughs> I'm just like... I know I've been saying this over... Jonathan Gannon stole my line, by the way. What the hell, man? Like, he said, buckle in. Oh, like, buckle <laughs> In his video, which also made me feel somehow like I was being arrested. Like, he... It's... <laughs> That is my line, Jonathan Gannon, not yours. Anyway, so <laughs> buckle in, guys, because, oh, my goodness, it is about to be uh, a wild ride moving forward. And I love that you guys are all here with us every single step of the way. You can be here with us and you can follow along at theathletic.com. Um, please continue to take care of yourselves. Stay hydrated. Be good to each other. Be good to yourselves. Stay caffeinated. And we will catch you next time.